Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we would have normally looked at that gospel passage from Mark way back in the summer on what is known as Transfiguration Sunday, but we're in the middle of uh, our series and I didn't want to break away from it, and it fits quite nicely with what we've been doing over these last few weeks, where it really kind of speaks to us that mountaintop experience and coming off the mountain. And the thing is, the word transfigured means a change on the, the outside that comes from the inside, as opposed to the word masquerade, which is an outward change that doesn't really reflect what's going on in the inside. You know, when we talk about people um, that we, we see that we think they're wearing a mask, not just for Halloween, but, but in normal life, that idea of we think they're wearing a mask. They can't possibly be that person all of the time because they're masquerading as something other than the real them. Well, the thing is, transfigured means the exact opposite of that. And this passage from Mark is an amazing example of that, where we read of Jesus glowing, glowing so brightly that it's difficult uh, to look at him, that the disciples struggle to look at him, and it has them a bit petrified. You know, Jesus, the light of the world that we looked at yesterday as we had a, a light party for the, the children, and we had great fun. And we were looking at the idea of, of Jesus being the light of the world, the one who came to shine light into the darkness. And here's a very visual representation of Jesus as the light of the world. He's filled with the full light of God on the inside and it is showing on the outside. This amazing experience that happens as Moses and Elijah come to be part of them. Jesus tells his disciples as they're coming off the mountain, don't tell anyone what you've seen. Don't tell anyone. You're probably thinking, finally, Neil's going to preach a sermon where he's going to tell us that we don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. No, you'll be wrong. Sure, Jesus says to the disciples, you're not to tell anyone about what you have seen, but the command isn't an infinite one because he caveats it. He says, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has risen from death. And we know that he has risen, and therefore we're given this account by James, John, and Peter as they were up on that mountaintop. As an aside, I absolutely love Peter. I've shared this with you before. I absolutely love Peter. He's my favorite disciple. Because here is this, this man who has the opportunity to put his foot in his mouth at every single opportunity. Yet to be fair, he is the one who eventually recognizes Jesus 
as the Messiah. It is him who says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. So all those times that he puts his foot in his mouth and gets it wrong, he also gets it right too. And that's, that warms my heart because it knows, we know that we don't have to always be perfect, that we will make mistakes, but that we are still loved by God. However, I can almost imagine as Peter is reading these words in Mark's gospel, as this account has been written out, he's probably thinking, did you really have to put that in there? There's probably a few times in the scriptures where Peter thought, did that really have to be added in there? doesn't really show me in the best of light. But here we are in chapter 9 of Mark's gospel. And as they're up on that mountain, and as Elijah and Moses come amongst them, Normally, people would be frightened enough not to say a word, but Peter, in his kind of fear, opens his mouth. And there he is right there, open mouth, let something come out. That's your standard, Peter. We read that Peter suggests that they should create these three, three tents, that we could just stay here, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And it's at that point that God says, I'm the Father, and this is my own dear Son. That might remind us of when we look at Jesus' baptism, as that those words boom from heaven, that this is my dearly beloved Son. And at that point, Elijah and Moses disappear. It's certainly a, a wonderful picture, and it must have been an awesome experience for those men up on that mountain. Here we have the, the great Moses, the man who's chosen to guide God's people from slavery in Egypt through the 40 years in the wilderness as they search out and go towards that promised land. But more importantly, Moses was the man that God entrusted by giving the law, those 10 commandments that, that Moses has given on Mount Sinai. And Moses is here in this account of the transfiguration to represent the law, the, the, the law that God had set forth before his people. And we also have Elijah, a man that is chosen by God to be a prophet, delivering messages to the most powerful people and to, then to the ordinary people as well. And while we might think of the amazing prophetic books in the, the Old Testament, written by prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel. It's Elijah that's chosen by God to be here to represent the prophets up here on the mountaintop. And indeed, in our, our second reading from 2 Kings, we read of Elijah being taken up by God in a very much uh, a similar way to the way that we see Jesus ascending to the Father later. And Elijah is here in this account of the transfiguration to represent the prophets. So here we have Jesus, and on either side is the law and the prophets. The fact that Peter wanted to make these three tents to, to keep them, you know, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus, shows that he knew that Jesus was important. He knew that he was important to God, just like Moses and Elijah were. But he'd kind of, he got it mixed up. He didn't fully recognize and realize what God was doing here with this transfiguration. 
as important as these two men were, Moses and Elijah, neither of them was God's dear own son. Jesus is not on the same level as Moses and Elijah. He is far higher than those two because he's God's own dear son. And the reason for Jesus commanding the disciples not to tell anyone about what they've seen until, until his resurrection was that he recognized and realized that people wouldn't fully understand what was going on. But there was a reason why they went to the mountaintop. Like I shared earlier, mountaintop experiences in the Bible symbolize that, that closeness to God, that you're making that, that journey to being closer to God. By rising higher, you're able to get closer to Him. And the thing is, we too can have our own mountaintop experiences, spending time in God's presence, allowing Him to, to reveal things to us, more of, of Jesus. We might be like Peter and want to build a tent and just spend time there on the mountain, keep that experience to ourselves, just stay there, not want to come back to the, the hustle and bustle of life. We might receive that comfort of God's presence and it becomes so amazing to us that we just don't want to take ourselves off the mountain. We definitely should be carving time out to make that journey up the mountain and spend time with God, letting Him reveal more to us about Jesus. And for each of us, that will be different. It might well be that we are physically walking up into the hills. We get away from that hustle and bustle in a very, very physical way. It might be that we enjoy walking along a, a lovely beach or the side of a, a loch or a river, just in that, that's the, the pattern of the waves allowing God to speak to us in the creation. But it might be something simple as switching off your TV or putting your phone away. One of my guilty pleasures. Putting that to the side, opening up the Scriptures, spending time reading God's Word, let God speak to us in the silence as we're meditating on these words that are speaking to us from the page. And things, whatever works for you, I would encourage you to try it. Spending opportunities of pursuing more of Jesus, climbing the mountain, asking for more of Him in your life. However, just like Jesus and the disciples, we can't stay there. We can't just stay there on the mountaintop. We can't just camp out there. We need to, to do what they did and come off the mountain. You see, that special encounter that we have with God in those mountaintop experiences should be enough to inspire us to want to get off the mountain to go and tell people. Tell people about God's love for them. You see, it's in that time on, on the top of the mountain that God will reveal things to us. His purpose for us. You know, I say it all the time, each and every one of us has a ministry of some sort. 
Some of us are called to a ministry like, like mine. Others are called to different kinds of ministry. It might be to your family. It might be to your friends, your workplace. It might be to a specific charity or a different sector of, of society. We're all called to something that is our ministry. Ministry is doing work for God and for the kingdom. And I wonder if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn to, to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21. So that is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21. And we read Elijah becoming, Elisha becoming Elijah's disciple. So it says here, so he set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, took the yoke of the oxen and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. And the run-up to this, Elijah's been told by God to go and find Elisha, who will be his successor. And when he finds him, he puts this cloak over him. It's a symbolic act a symbolic act that shows this handing over from Elijah to Elisha. Elisha's response is to say goodbye to his old life, and he creates this symbolic act himself by burning all of his work tools, everything that was tying him to where he was. He burnt them all to go and follow Elijah. And the thing is, as Christians, through our baptism, we're called to this new life, a new life. And it requires us to, to do the same as Elisha, to go and burn the, the yoke of our old life and move forward. You know, we'll look at that passage in greater detail at some point because there's a lot of stuff going on in there. But spend some time reading that particular passage from 1 Kings. It's a real reminder to us of the sacrifice that was made for us, but the sacrifice that's required of us to go and follow Jesus, that we say goodbye to our old life and we move forward into the new. And the thing is, it's in our time with God on those mountaintops that we are strengthened and renewed to be able to follow Jesus, to carry out that command of being able to go and tell people about him, that we'd be able to help guide them closer to their Father in heaven through that relationship with Jesus. And the thing is, we've probably all, all heard this particular phrase. It's St. Francis of Assisi, where he says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. That isn't actually a biblical principle at all. And I'm not entirely convinced that he actually even said it. I think it's attributed to him. But even if even if it was, I don't think he's saying that you don't tell anybody about Jesus, that you just do actions. I think the message behind that particular phrase is that you don't just 
tell people. We're still called to go and tell people about Jesus, but we don't just do that. That our faith requires us that our words and our actions would go toe and toe. The thing is, if we tell people about Jesus and our experiences of God, but our actions seem to display something completely different, then what kind of witness is that to the love of God and the glory of our Lord Jesus? If we tell people that the message of Jesus is love, but we put people down or we reject others, we're contradicting that message that we're telling them. So why should they ever possibly believe us? The fact is that we too can be transformed. Paul in his letter to Rome reminds the believers there in chapter 12 that they could and should be transformed with the renewing of their minds. That they can be changed and by experiencing that transforming power of God in their lives they would be able to know and carry out what it is that God is wanting them to do. What was God's will? God's good, perfect and pleasing will. I wouldn't normally do this during a sermon, but I'd already got Moira to read two pretty long passages, so I'm going to read Romans chapter 12 now. So if you have, a, if you have the Bible with you, let's go to, to Romans chapter 12 from the beginning. This gives you an idea of what this transformation is like as Paul writes it down here in chapter 12 of Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy, in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. 
If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. This particular chapter has a lot of stuff going in there. And it's not just restricted to the believers in Rome that, that Paul was writing to, but to all who are known to God and to who know Him. By spending time with God on the mountaintop, we are able to experience more of Him. Be open to this transformation that Paul is talking about. When we have that better understanding of God's will, this better understanding of who Jesus is, that He is higher and, and greater than all, it's then that we'll be able to be guided and fully step into our calling that we would be His hands and His feet here on earth. Not only telling people about Jesus, but allowing Jesus to work in their lives through our actions. Indeed, Jesus actually said that we would be known to be His disciples by the way that we love one another. And as I said at the beginning of the, the sermon, this passage isn't about Jesus saying that we aren't to tell anyone about Him or what we experience on the mountaintop, far from it. It's a reminder to us all that we have this access to eternal life through Jesus, that He is God's own dear Son, and that we have the absolute privilege of getting to know Him. Not as some Jewish man who gathered 12 people and walked around Galilee. Not as some amazing moral teacher who taught a good way of, of life and living. Not even someone who was able to perform amazing miracles, raise people from the dead. But no, that we would get to know Him as the resurrected Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. We get that opportunity. That should be news that we cannot keep to ourselves. We should want to go and tell people about that might be a whole bunch of different people, people in our families, our work, our social circles. We have amazing opportunities to share the good news of Jesus with others. But I truly believe that it's only by spending time on that mountaintop, getting closer to God, that we'll, able, we'll be able to receive the confidence and the strength to be able to have access to that transforming nature of the Holy Spirit that we might be strengthened to go and share that good news with others. See, the transformation that allows the light of God to dwell within us, to burst through and shine into the world, that it becomes impossible for people to ignore. You know how there's people that we just know, and there's just something about them that's different. The light of Jesus is just on them. I love when I get to meet people like that. 
I long to be that kind of person. That when people see me, they just, they just know. They just know that the love of Jesus is in me and I want to share that with other people. There are so many people in my life that I look to and I just, I smile. There's just something different about them. And it's no surprise that these people are the people that are spending time on that mountaintop with God, receiving from Him. Through the words of the Scriptures, they've committed themselves to speaking to God daily in prayer. They might receive these fresh insights to the Scriptures. They allow the Holy Spirit to work within them, that they might be Jesus to everyone that they meet. You see, the events surrounding the transfiguration in our reading this morning, they're kind of twofold. As I said, the climbing of the, the mountain is linked with getting closer to God. It allows someone to retreat from the, the noise of the crowd, the, the busyness of, of life. And Jesus had gone up to that mountain to spend time with his Father, to get away from the busyness of what was going on at that time. But it was also a time for, for fresh things to be revealed to the disciples. There was a reason why Jesus took those three men with him. He could have just went himself. But this was an opportunity for them to receive this new teaching. This idea that Jesus was above the law and the prophets. That he was the, the ultimate. He was so high. These two men, Moses and Elijah, that are incredibly important. God had chosen them to do amazing things. But Jesus was higher. And the thing is, we too are encouraged to go and climb that mountain, spend time with God, that we might too seek and receive newer and fresher insights and guidance from our Heavenly Father. However, not unlike the disciples, we cannot remain on that mountain. That when we are filled up and strengthened, we are called to go. We're called to go out. We need to come off that mountain and share the good news of the risen Jesus with all those people that God chooses to put in our path. Sometimes we'll share it with our lips. Other times we'll be required to take on board the idea of not just telling people, but actually showing them Jesus in our actions and interactions with people in the world that we live in. That's why we've focused on God's provision and our, our need to help others who don't have access to the, the basic human needs that we enjoy. We, we looked at that at Harvest. And we looked at, at God's creation and our, our, while we have dominion over it, it's not about, about just doing whatever we want. We're called to look after God's creation. It's important that we're not just telling people about Jesus, but we're actually showing them Jesus in our actions, that we're looking to help those who are less fortunate than ourselves, that we're looking to protect God's creation. We're going to be looking at the persecuted church next week. It's another opportunity for us to show Jesus to the world, to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that are struggling with persecution, not able to do the things that we are doing this morning, you know, ministers over in other parts of the world that 
that it's illegal for them to say some of the things that I've said this morning. Yet I'm allowed to. And I praise God for that. But I also pray and we look for ways to, to help the persecuted church. And as I say, we'll look at that next week. That everyone in God's creation would have the opportunity and the freedom to worship Him on any given day. There are so many ways in which we can tell people about Jesus. So many ways in how we can act to show Jesus to others. We can show transformation to them. Lead them to the mountain. That they too might climb. Spend some time in God's presence. That they too would receive that transformation that we have. that they too might have Jesus making a difference in their lives. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the highest and greatest. You are the dearly beloved Son of God, and you are our Savior and our Lord. We thank you for this example that you've set for us. That by climbing the mountain as we get closer to God, we take ourselves away from the hustle and bustle and the busyness of life to spend some time in God's presence. That you promise to reveal new things to us. That you promise to strengthen us by your Spirit. Lord Jesus, would you, would you just light a fire within us? that we would be so keen and eager to climb that mountain daily, to spend some time. But that we wouldn't get too comfortable. That we would understand that through those fresh revelations and strengthening, we must go. That we must come back from, from that top of the mountain to go and share the good news of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus. Give us the strength to speak those words to people that we care about. Give us a strength to, to go and act on the words. That the world wouldn't see us as masquerading. But that because your light shines within us, that it would shine out. That we too would experience something of this transfiguration. All this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen.